Our country is more divided than ever before, and not just between those who put pineapple on their pizza. There's members on both sides of the aisle uh, who are more interested in making noise than they are about governing. From the committee rooms to this floor, we commit to pursue the truth passionately. There's a mic right there, and that's a damn short walk. It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. We must all hang together, Benjamin Franklin said, or assuredly we will all hang separately. Previously on Dakota Town Hall. Noah, you talked to Mort. Yeah, um, Mort for Majority Leader Will Mortensen, a.k.a. Mort. We sat down with him and talked a little bit about a lot of the deal that happened with housing. So, okay, Jake, let's let's go to housing. I'm- there was a small hiccup in how the bill was written last time. And it was 16 votes of what you can reliably call the Freedom Caucus. I think my favorite quote from the floor, though, came from a Democrat senator, Senator uh, Nezaba. We should not be cutting this. We should be getting more people on unemployment. I move that we suspend the rest of the policy talk for a little later and we bring in Mr. Pat Powers. So from what I understand, there was there was a motion made by Senators Otten and Roll to suspend Senator Freimuller from the Senate and to form a select committee on discipline and expulsion. Now we get and welcome right. back, Pat. Welcome Pat. back, Pat. <laughs> for some wild speculation. I can't wait. What, what do you get? What do you got for us, Pat? Welcome to Dakota Town Hall, South Dakota's weekly political podcast. Back at it, week four. We're a month strong, and you are listening to Dakota Town Hall. I am Murdoch from Home Slice Media out west, and then with us, as always, my uh, harder working co-host, Mr. Jake Schoenbeck and Mr. Noah Grebel. Which is still not that fun to say. Great. Well, I guess we'll we'll start here, right? I, okay, so like I've gotten I've gotten let's call it fifty. I bet I've gotten fifty texts, notes, emails, nudges, and they're all real excited listening to this episode because they think we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be JFM and 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 nothing but milk jokes for thirty minutes. But I have a suggestion, if we may, I would like to be like Otis Redding and try a little tenderness. And I'll tell you what brought me around on it. I can't believe I'm I'm in a position to half feel bad for Julie Fry Mueller, but like I saw the memes and I'm like, ah, okay, that the jokes are covered. We can just do the facts on this. I think we've been about what a week in now on this. We timed it perfect news. last week. Yeah. Yeah, about yeah. news being out. I think the jokes are in the past. They've been well. Down. I wouldn't say all the way in the past. <laughs> so well, let's, yeah, let's, let's I mean, try it this way. We'll do our best. I'll say that. Noah, let's do it this way. Noah, why don't we just the facts, man? Let's where's where's where are we sitting at with Judy Freimuller? Yeah. So they went through the committee on on uh, discipline and expulsion. They uh, Lee Schoenbeck amended the rules to allow for the suspension of a senator to count as electronic communications for formal notices. But, you know, that's all just kind of the pre stuff. They went to the thing. You know, they had testimony on both sides. Everyone made their case. They made a decision to censure her and limit her access to LRC staff. But beyond that, you know, she's back to being a fully full. She's a full fledged uh, senator again. Yeah, she's just another, you know, everyone. I think the theme of this week was everyone's getting back to work. You know, we're through with it. And is it so is it done from here or is there civil litigation or does anything happen outside of the session from this case? As far as I understand, I think we're done here. Um, I don't foresee much more other than that Bill Roll has coming out of this. I kind of think we're going to move forward. Um, I think leadership just wants to get back to the job of 
doing business and being legislators. How about this just for facts, dudes? The Dakota Town Hall is the fastest growing podcast on our on our podcast network here. I'm, a number of senators are reaching out every week with their notes. That's that's sometimes less helpful than they think. <laughs> yeah, there's there there is one certain senator that texts me about every single Oh, week I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine no, having yeah. to be Lee's kid in this thing. You're gonna get yeah. 15 texts a week about here's what you said that was wrong. <laughs> That was wrong. This was wrong. It's like, go to your room. You messed that up. It's like, okay. You go out oh. and you take out the garbage and you clean your room and you get the house bill number right, oh, Jake. the dish. Man, you leave a dish out with Lee in the house, you're going to lose your head. So oh I, I want to thank you guys. Uh, for, thanks for helping uh, make this show work. It's uh, It's got some legs. It's taken off. And thanks to all of you that are listening. And uh, if you don't mind, share it to a friend or share it to a buddy. It's uh, it's it's pleasantly taking off pretty fast. So thank you guys very much. A, a moment of real seriousness, if we can. It's not a laughing matter when when a family member loses a pet and then that pet gets accidentally put into a news story. I don't even know where to start. Jake, explain this. <laughs> So I, I saw a little bit about this, um, like on Facebook back before it happened and went to, to the actual committee. But if you listen to our last podcast, I made a really quick joke about the fact that my family had a cat named Mort, which Mort is also the nickname of Will Mortensen, the House Majority Leader. And my dad shared a post, Senator Lee Strummick shared a post on Facebook that said, uh, our dead cat even made the news or something like that. Or Julie Freimuller believed <laughs> that... He was referencing her because apparently there is a thing called dead cat strategy in politics where it's referencing people with no political power or something like that. No, it was referenced to my family. It's just your cat family cat. Any other dead pets you'd like to memorialize uh, in we, Dakota we News now? Alive. Uh, Jack is one of our dogs. Uh, so if Senator Jack Colbeck, we're not referencing you. We're talking about the dog, Jack. We got a Harry. We got a Kobe. We had a Kobe. Had a Copper. Had a Gordy. Chance. Sadie. Uh, there's currently a Bailey. Those are all just pets. Those are not, we're not talking about pets. secret so, code. Uh, we had, oh, we had a duck named Alfred once. You had a pet so, duck? No oh, you are from Watertown, aren't you? Top it off. I have a dog named Casey. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Is that how we got uh, Casey in the first episode, Noah? I yeah. don't know. That would have worked. Hey, I named a pet after you. You have to come on my podcast now. <laughs> so yeah, but going forward, uh, God bless Mort. Uh, rest in peace, gone but not forgotten. Gone but now, never forget Mort. Never Sorry. forget. Mort the never cat, forget Mort. Not Will right. The majority leader, gone but not forgotten. As long as we know Mort, the person is perfectly healthy. Totally healthy. Uh, not a reference, to Julie Freimuller. I could not believe that we are. We were three weeks in, and somehow our podcast got a reference in a uh, disciplinary Senate committee. Wait. So congratulations, boys. Thanks to the Freedom Caucus for the listens. Yeah, we appreciate it. Actually, no. If they would have listened, they would have known it was about the cat. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That was the most upsetting part to me. I was like, they, they didn't even listen. They, speaking, of, speaking of your fans on Twitter, can, oh, can we talk about the tiny ants thing? Oh. <laughs> uh, was that episode two? Two, I think. Twitter is Cole's cash. Twitter is a dumpster fire. I don't want to be on Twitter, but... This show is making me get on Twitter a little bit because people are talking about it. So, so explain the tiny ants thing. Well, I just posted the uh, the uh, second video or second uh, podcast on Twitter. And out of nowhere, I get a really hard backlash from some far-right people. 
not even from our state, really. No, they're like just Indiana, from like, yeah, they're from California, everywhere. And there's like, it was like all over the place. And then there's a bunch of just the first is just a bunch of animated gifts of rhinos because apparently yeah, that's what you are. Rhinos, a lot of rhinos, apparently. Yeah. And then um, one, and then they went all the way back to like June of 2022. They're just like responding to all my tweets. And I was like, all right, this is hilarious. And so one was like, it was picturing me holding a sticker that said vote. And I was like, I voted. Yeah. And uh guy responds, girly hands. Girly hands, not tiny hands, girly hands. Girly hands. I immediately retweeted that. That's incredible. Uh, um, now it's my favorite thing to do. I don't really, I still don't like Twitter, but I like going on Jake's comments or posts now and just, and just, and just reposting pictures of people with tiny hands. <laughs> Oh, I love them. I love them. All right. Let's do some real work, shall we? All right. We're talking about tax cuts. Let's, let's start there, Noah. Take us, take us away. Here we go. We got three in the barrel that we've talked about this entire time. As far as I've looked today, correct me if I'm wrong, all three are still in the barrel. Can be any of these. House Bill 1075, that's the food tax cut proposed by Governor Nome. That is a culmination of Representative Fitzgerald and Senator Wick, I believe. And then we have House Bill 1043, which is uh, property tax property tax relief, which exempts single family dwellings, aka homes, from certain property taxes. Was this the and one? Then, was this the one uh, Mr. Van Eisen was talking about a few episodes ago? I think he uh, referenced it. I don't know if he ever said a bill number. Okay, but it's the same idea, I believe. Yeah. So the third one becomes House Bill 1137. That is our overall sales tax that would lower, I believe, from four and a half percent to four. Um, Back to pre-education funding. Isn't that how that 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 thing went up from four to four and a half to pay the teachers a few years back? If I'm doing my tax history right, it was a half penny. Yeah, if I recall correctly. I could be half mixing penny. that up, Lee. If I'm wrong, half you can text penny. me, not your boy. Yeah, sorry, Dad. I was busy with college <laughs> at the time. Yeah, so it's we got those three right now. And I do believe, Murdoch, to talk out a little bit of your tax cut history, that increase, and I don't know if it was the quarter cent or half cent, but what I do know is, obviously, that was called the Partridge Amendment. Yeah. Which states in the language that if state revenues have risen by so much, the sales tax goes down. Now, I don't know all the enforcement mechanics behind it, but the thing to note is, you know, this repeal, from what I believe, would basically be the repeal of that increase. So we're go- you're right. I think if Erdogan's right and I'm right, we're going back to the pre-education funding, that kind of tax level. So you can just kind of almost say they're taking a step, you know, back to where we were, but it's still a tax cut. You know what I mean? Well, on that food tax piece, I, this is something we talked about in our first episode of who are the sponsors that I really want to see this bill progress and where it's going to go. Cause I don't think we've really been in that fight yet of how it's going to be played out. Cause the Senate is still not really in favor of that. As far as I understand. And you got Wick and Fitzgerald now, you know, the heads of the Republican party in South Dakota, at least the apparatus and they'll be the ones that are sponsoring it. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be coming up. We're not there yet, but uh, TBD. Do you still think that you, you both still think the Senate is against this? If the vote was right now, I, think I it's never softened. said that the Senate was against it. I have said this. Here, here comes the third time I've mentioned this <laughs> on this show. They are probably, as a leader would do, that forms a committee to look at a certain topic, are waiting for the committee reports. 
I feel like I deserve a hat trick for having to say that for the third time on this show. I don't know. I think that's probably fair. And I'll maybe admit, okay, that's part of it. But it, but I'll, I'll meet you in the middle of you meet me in the middle. It's also real convenient not to have a given answer right now because, you know, that's what will hang you right around re-election time. <laughs> well, and you can look at, I think it was, if you look at the Scattering Report podcast, it was, I think, the time they interviewed my dad back in uh, right before session. They actually discussed this a little bit. I, I want to say he kind of comes out not in favor of it pretty quickly. I, I don't remember it directly, but there has been opposition to it on the on the leadership side. That's been a thing for a while now. I here's what it feel. This is all feel, right? It sure feels like by a month into session, coming into session, a food tax would be done on arrival, which is maybe is a harsh term to use, but and and now maybe not. Maybe soft, softened. That. You said softened. I feel that. Um, I wonder if it's because we haven't talked about it that much. It's kind of been just there floating in committees and doing that stuff. I could hear that, too. It's going to be a fight when it's a fight. Yeah. And the Senate's been busy with Julie Freimuller. So, I mean, they're not <laughs> focused on taxes right now. How about uh, how about this Medicaid work requirement? I'm, I, I'm, I actually want to talk about this. I might. I guess I'll play the opposition on this. All right. Let's let the socialist contingent of the podcast. So that's what it is. The socialist contingent of the podcast. <laughs> Oh, well, let's. It, it, this isn't. It was a. Re, it was a resolution. Yes, that's correct. That it was. A, I, mean, I just want to make sure I have this right. And and this came from Tony Van Eisen, if I have that right as well. Yes. It wasn't a work requirement with Medicaid as a bill, but a, but more of a nod to. I don't know, to me, it was, hey, I'm going to run for something in the future, and I'm going to talk about how I attach this to something. That's what it looked like. I mean, I don't mean to make everything about a campaign, but that's what it felt like. It's, But just let me give you, I guess, what Jake would call the socialist. That's real dangerous. That's real dangerous. Because it sure allows a primary election fight to be about something that almost no one knows what the hell they're talking about. You know, Medicaid funding is a very um, – complex issue to it's complicated and to drill because it down to a hot button primary issue pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work like i did it's tone deaf as shit yeah and the reality is there's a certain amount of medicaid funding that actually as you increase funding it reduces state costs for things like mental health and homelessness um there's a balance there there's a really real balance there and uh where you strike that balance i'm not personally sure um, nor am I, and nor and I can hear the arguments, and I'm I'm again. It's hard to want to pick on it because I'm with the intent of some of it. It's just, it's real in a ninety-eight thousand percent Republican state. That's dangerous, flamethrowery. It's unnecessary to me. Or a one point nine unemployment percentage rate in West River. The people that are working are working. This it's not a pull yourself by the bootstraps issue. So if I'm correct to say this resolution, the idea is that you must be employed to get the Medicaid. Basically. Yeah. Is that accurate, um, the resolution? But in a resolution, it's a little vague. It it kind of, to me, leaves it open to put it in later kind of a deal, right? Well, a resolution is not a law. It's just a hard recommendation. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. And then, it's, and then something, this is a little bit to do with, like, constitutional amendments, right? Like, um, the, it's hard to make it. I'm going to sound like, is it Nezaba? Am I saying that right? I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna sound like Nesba when I'm gonna give one of these you know uh, lines that are are straight out of MSNBC as far as arguments against it, but like you know it's a little bit calling the the voting 
people too stupid to understand constitutional amendments, in my opinion, as well. Which sometimes I will agree with. But I'm noticing Noah's been real silent, so I'm about to hear the opposition. Jake Jake took the middle road. It's a complicated issue, and it needs well, a lot. I line. think there's one thing else here, and it's something I don't like that we've seen a couple times now, where it's a backpedaling of what the voters wanted. Um, the voters passed a uh, amendment to basically advance Medicaid for all. Yes. And then now we're seeing legislature backpedal on that. Yes. Which is which I think undermines a lot of the credibility of our democratic system. I'm I like I that you're a little more with me than I thought you'd be on this. I'm not okay, just so clear. I believe there's a place for med- for the government when it comes to Medicare. I do believe that. But it's got to be a reasonable amount. I don't want I want them to, I don't want them to overstep. There's a place for them in housing, there's a place for them in agriculture. But it's about the correct fiscal responsibility, the correct place for them. All right. I'm going to go ahead and read directly from the resolution HJR 5004. The state of South Dakota may not impose greater or additional burdens or restrictions on eligibility and enrollment standard. So they cannot impose greater restrictions or practices on on any person eligible under this section or any person otherwise eligible for Medicaid under South Dakota law, except that the state of South Dakota may impose a work requirement on any person eligible under this section who is able-bodied. So I think it just, I think, I don't, I think you might've made it sound more broad than it is. Able-bodied is what makes it, able-bodied, the the ill definition, and I hear that, right? But the ill definition of a phrase like able-bodied is what lets 47 lawyers have at it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced it's the best choice. I'm not convinced it's not a good choice. I'm really in the middle ground here. Well, Noah, you want to you want to put a cap on it? I mean, joint resolution proposing and submitting to the voters at the next election, right? Like this isn't something that's going to get through both chambers and passed by the governor. It's an able body work requirement. And my thing is, you know, put it on the ballot and fight it on its merits. If people want it, if people want it, they can vote for it. If they don't want it, they can't. But I don't know. I I guess the only thing I'd add is maybe the conversation's worth having, but you know, that'll be up for, that'll be up for both chambers to decide that. But if it gets on there, I don't know. I think I'm not, ta- I'm not going to take a side on it one way or another, but you know, it, the conversation might be worth having if they put it on the ballot. I'll say that. Is uh, I'm not familiar with this executive board travel stuff that's happening. Are you guys, do you guys know what's going on with this? Yeah. Um, this was a resolution proposed, um, I think it was it was based off of last year when uh, former House Speaker Spencer Gosh. Oh, is this the Hawaii trip? Yeah, it's the yeah. This is, about, I think this is about the Hawaii trip. <laughs> okay, it's, it's we, Jamie we, Smith. We barely mentioned Gosh on this thing. Thank God. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, it's Spencer Gosh and Jamie Smith. It's kind of the impetus. Do I have this right? So Spencer Gosh and Jamie Smith were on a board or a committee or an executive, whatever. And there was a one of these junkets to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and they went on it. After they were elected, not elected to continue office, they decided, "Well, I'm going to go, and you're going to go." And while they were and there, there was some state paid for it. There was some there was some tourism had while they were there. Yes, sir. Well, it's not even the tourism. I mean, of course, everywhere you go, there's tourism. I mean, that's just part of this thing. It's why they have them in certain places to promote the places. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like we bring but, people to the hills and, you know. Exactly. They went when they were lame duck 
legislators. And that's the inappropriate part. It does look bad. I I guess I just don't understand. Is that big of a hanging offense? This is more, this is more, I go back into the days of Tweed, New York politics, where it's like, well, you know, once in a while, someone's got to go cliff jumping. That keeps the peace. <laughs> it's, it's just inappropriate, in my opinion. I mean, there were other legislators that were reelected. Yeah. That, I, if, I, if the goal is to represent South Dakota, let's choose the ones that actually were elected by South Dakota. Certainly hard to argue with that. So, Noah, can you speak a little bit to what happened on the House floor with this? It died on the House floor, like hard died. Oh, this thing didn't pass? Yeah, it. No, it hard oh, no. Whoa. Um, I don't know the exact vote count. I don't have it in front of me, but I don't need it because it it went down pretty tough. Um, yeah, like eight votes in favor what? of it. And it passed the Senate like unanimously. Yeah. Almost unanimously. Yeah, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was party lines. I don't I don't like I said, I don't have the count in front of me. But yeah, it, it went down. And I think I think some of the people that were opposed to it um took it on the merits that it's it's just, you know, I get it, right? I think a lot of people are like, you know, do you want people that are on their way out to have to take, you know, what I mean, take trips? Yeah. The it's it's hard to the taxpayers, defend. but like, I think a lot of, I think some people might have just seen this. You know, it's just another, it's just another procedure. It's just another thing that they have on the books. So they're just like, you know what, you know, it happened, and yeah. But going in, if we're gonna talk about former legislators. I would really like to take the time to introduce the very special guest that we have joining us today. He is a former professional Brock writer, former South Dakota Senate minority leader, and a former Democratic nominee for governor, Mr. Billy Sutton. Thanks, Noah, for the introduction. I am joined right now. Uh, how did I? I plugged Billy. I plugged you last week by calling you South Dakota's um, most popular, almost governor since Roger McKellips. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it's a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting company there because uh, my grandpa ran with Roger McKellips as his lieutenant governor candidate. Oh, that's right. You know what? I completely forgot about that. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Well, Mr. Billy Sutton, how would you? How do you? How do you normally like to be introduced when people introduce you now? Probably not everybody's almost favorite governor, right? <laughs> Just Billy is usually what's best. Billy, for me. Billy works. That's a, I, well, and it's these yeah. are these are fun ones to do. A lot of times when we're talking to some of you politicians, we don't know right. each other that well, but you, I have the benefit of like you know we're backstage at concerts uh, having a whiskey once in a while, so you know it's more fun this way. <laughs> That's right. It is. I would. Uh, I would agree. So let's do some heavy lifting. Obviously, the Democrats uh, are 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 maybe not the 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 majority home field advantage in the state of South Dakota. So what what is what is somebody who I would call certainly a well respected Democrat in this state? What's the general advice to the left as we get into month one month one in into the session? Are we now? For those that are already elected, I mean, they gotta. They got to find ways to work across the aisle. I mean, you got to build relationships and you got to make friendships and you have to, when you're a super minority, you need other people to get things done. But it's a, you know, it's a good opportunity too that I think uh, maybe a lot of people don't realize that you can really get some good things done if you can build those relationships. As far as the people trying to get elected into the future, um, I, I think. The most important factor is to be yourself, be authentic, be real, and show up for people. Um, and part of that is just 
be doing it for the right reasons. I think there's a lot of elected officials out there, which I would say is one of the biggest reasons we're in the, having the problems we are. And that's on both sides of the aisle, in fairness, at different, in different states. Is good leadership. Yeah, is being a servant leader. You know, a lot of these elected officials, um, they care more about themselves and how they're going to benefit themselves than they do, than they do their constituents. You know, and we had you a, have to be really careful with that. We had an, on week one, I want to say, maybe week two of this show, we were talking about, there was an editorial that came out that was uh, in your vein of what you're saying, trying to get people to understand the difference between elected leaders that are performers and elected leaders that are servants. Yeah, there's a big difference. Um, I feel like you can tell. I, I feel like you can tell pretty quickly, though. How do you? I, I guess I'll ask it that way. How do you tell? I mean, I, that's an everyman comment, but you're you're also somebody who's ran and and not ran and vote. What? How do you tell between a performer and a servant? I think a lot of it is results, um, and also performers. They don't. They they talk a lot. They say a lot of things, but they don't do what they say. Oftentimes, and I and you you find that out pretty quickly with a few interactions of, or even trying to work with, with somebody like that. I mean, you find out pretty fast where their heart is. And, um, and I, I think it's, it's pretty straightforward as you, as you get to know people. And that's why that's, I mean, it's important to get to know people to get things done. And it's important to get to know people to know, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I can work with this person the way I want to work <laughs> with them. And so I might have to go a different route. Any, uh, do you follow any of the bills at a, at a, at a, at a hip level or do you kind of wait till crossover day in the committees? I kind of wait till they get going. I mean, every once in a while one will pop up that I, you know, that piques my interest. Um, so I'll be watching them a little more closely as, as we get through the session here. It's pretty early and there's a lot of, I mean, you can spend a lot of time looking at a lot of bills. Well, and and, then, and the especially most, on these most days, most of them are going to die. <laughs> yeah, and then on these days where like you'll have eighty or ninety in a day, right? It's just hard to keep track of everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, and so yeah, I would, I you know, this episode we're talking a bit about this workforce um, requirement that Mister Van Eisen was putting on a resolution. Uh, you know, it's salty, flamethrowery language when it comes to Medicare, Medicaid, but. Um, uh, I'm sure we'll hear yeah. from more representatives on the left, but I guess I give you an opportunity to weigh in on that. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time, and the interesting thing is, is that the vast majority, the vast vast majority of the people that we're talking about here, are already working. <laughs> so I'm not sure what problem he's trying to fix <laughs> uh, because we did. We did look at the data on that, and that, that's a few years ago now. I will, in fairness, um, when we looked at this, and that was when Dugard was an advocate of Medicaid expansion, um, and and was going to push forward with that. And Governor Dugard, Republican, and then the 2018 election happened, and everybody thought the Affordable Care Act was going away, and here we are, right? Um, but but when we looked at those numbers. Uh, these people are already working. They just can't afford. They can't afford health insurance. Simple as that. Yeah. 
I I um I think that's a stronger argument. Um, I think it's harder. I think uh, workforce requirements is something that gets to be a campaigny issue more than it is the actual weeds of you know. And then there's the old, the old, uh, the constitutional amendment of this and the voters and and doing maybe against yeah. this. I think is something that's also going to come up. Yeah. Well, if 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 our elected leaders spent as much time bringing legislation that isn't needed as they did solving actual problems we would be a lot better off than we are today well let's let maybe we end here let's talk about that right now there's 11 elected democrats in peer the joke i make are there is there's more homeless people in peer than there are elected democrats (laughs) in peer yeah it's pretty rough how about advice for somebody who is on any maybe not even right left right but i guess to you i'd ask about the democrats what what about what about the person listening to this going you know i'm a democrat and maybe i'd like to run for something what's what's some advice you just got to get involved and you got to get out and meet people and you have to be authentic and real and you got to be doing it for the right reasons like i mentioned before you need to have a servant's heart i mean that's one of the things we talk about in the sutton leadership institute that we started a few years ago here after the governor's race is the importance of community and doing things for the right reasons and doing them because it's the right thing to do and not because it benefits you or somebody you know, but just because it's the right thing to do and you want to help people. And so anybody that is doing it for the right reasons and gets to know enough people and is authentic and real has a good chance of winning uh, no matter where you're at. Uh, you, You know, you'd be surprised uh, how many people will vote for somebody when they when they like them and trust them? And part of that is just being yourself and authentic and real. What, uh, I guess, realistic chances of winning is a phrase I get to use to try to see if this is going to be the show you're going to tell us that you're running for governor again. <laughs> uh, you know what? You never say never. Um, I am, in fact, as we're talking right now, I am at a... AAU wrestling tournament in Burke, South Dakota, getting ready to help put that on and coach my six-year-old, um, who in his first year last year made it state. Hey, right on. And yeah, and he does really good, and he's a good kid. And I tell you what, I'm loving doing what I'm doing right now. But every once in a while, that itch comes up. But we'll see if uh, we'll see if it gets scratched here for too long. Artful dodge by. Maybe potential <laughs> candidate Billy Sutton. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on. You know, uh, we're gonna hear if you don't, if you mind. Uh, you, we're gonna hear who's running for Senate and who's running for this. You should, you should maybe come on, and give us your thoughts about that as as the as the statewide races heat up a little. Yeah, I'd love to sometime. That'd be great. I appreciate you having me on, and look forward to more conversations. He goes by Billy. He's Mr. Billy Sutton, um, a dear friend of mine and uh, certainly hopeful future candidate in some office somewhere. But right now, six-year-old AAU wrestling coach Billy Sutton. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Good to talk to you, man. All right. Talk to you later. You know, I had a dog named Billy once. <laughs> no, you He's didn't. Alive. Did you really? Not, it's, no, okay. no, it's not no, dead. I, I just wanted to keep it on, keep it on theme from last week. Um, but yeah, that's not the only one I guess we have. That's not the only guest we have today. Um, Jake, did you bring someone else along? So we got Representative Caden Whitman with us today. 
Okay, I'm here with Representative Caden Whitman from District 15. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Well, thank you for joining us us here on the Dakota Town Hall. Caden is a newcomer to Pierre. How's it been so far? What's the ups? What's the downs? It's been awesome, actually. I, I really enjoy my time out here. It's very humbling to get to be a part of these conversations that, you know, we create the laws for almost a million people. And so getting to have these hard, difficult conversations with people from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, and then use all that information to come to the best possible decision. It, it's an incredible experience. I love it. So what's it been like being in, you know, you're in the minority in the House. How's that been kind of uh, working with Republicans, working with our Democrats? Tell me about it. Yeah, so I would actually have to say I've been pleasantly surprised by the kindness, respect and decorum that's been shown by everyone, regardless of party. Um, I've had, you know, individuals that I'm, I'm on the opposite side of a lot of issues with come together and work towards some kind of a solution to benefit South Dakotans. So it's, again, like I said, everyone has been really respectful and, and the conversations, although difficult, have been very fruitful. Did I see you and Tyler Torson working on something? You did. So um, it actually has to do with my ID bill. So oh, okay. My, yeah, so I can say that if you want. But oh, yeah, I'll, I'll I, use that as a segue. Uh, sure, but Tyler and I, we've been friends for a while, and so it's really, it's fun and interesting to get to work with him in this capacity. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I first met Caden, what, now three years ago, I want to say? Yeah. Is that correct? And we worked together on the Taste the Goodness Committee. It's a beer and wine tasting event here in Sioux Falls. Give that a quick plug. Jane will be glad to give that a plug for the Catholic Community Foundation. Um, but you have a passion for helping out the homeless and people in poverty, which I think is kind of where your bill came up when it comes to driver's license. Is that correct? It is. That is exactly correct. That bill came about, so House Bill 1103 came about uh, after I worked at the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House, which, as you know, is the beneficiary of the Taste the Goodness fundraiser. Um, and so while I was there, I did a lot of different work in a lot of different capacities to help individuals who are homeless. But the number one barrier that I saw when I worked there was that these individuals could not save up the $28 that it costs to get a state ID. And keep in mind, this is not a driver's license. This is just a ID card. It looks very similar to a driver's license. But without a state ID, you, you cannot get a social security card. You can't sign a lease for an apartment. You can't get food assistance. You can't get a library card. You can't even vote. Wow. So it, it seemed crazy to me that there was not just a box that these individuals could check that said, I am literally homeless but I need an ID to prove that I am who I say I am. So I'm curious, why is there a cost to it in the first place? Have you ever explored why? Well, I mean, just like just like there's a cost to any other uh, government program, it's the, the fee associated with the materials and the labor of the DMV employees sure. and, and things like that. But the, the fact of the matter is that it, it is such a minute number when I had uh, the Legislative Research Council here in Pierre help me put together this bill and run a fiscal analysis for it, the total cost of providing a free state ID or paying for a copy of somebody's ID that's already on file for individuals below the poverty line across our entire state was $44,000. That's nothing. It, wow. It's pennies. It is pennies to remove a barrier that is so 
difficult for our most vulnerable community members to overcome. So let's talk about the bill uh, first died in committee on a five to six vote, I want to say. It did. It right. Did. So how did this, so what kind, what kind of happened there? What was the opposition and where are we now? Yeah. So um, the reason it, the, the ultimate feedback that I received from opponents on this billing committee was one, that they worried it would, it could potentially contribute to election fraud um, which I, I strongly oppose that particular statement because the simple reason is that South Dakota currently requires an ID in order to vote. But if we have individuals who cannot afford an ID, we are essentially making voting a pay-for-play system, and, and that disenfranchises impoverished people from participating in the democratic process. So, so in my belief, this actually strengthens our current, current voter ID laws because it ensures that everybody has access to the documents they need. Um, but the other opposition that I faced was that um, there's no way for DMV employees to confirm somebody's low income status. Oh, sure. I saw this. And, yeah. yeah. So I, I amended the bill from its original form to include the requirement of a signed affidavit by those low-income community members that they are in fact low-income under penalty of perjury, which is a class two misdemeanor, in order to waive that fee. Um, and unfortunately, opposition to this said that that still wasn't enough that people can can lie and you know commit fraud on on uh, affidavits that they sign, uh, which I, I think you could make that argument about almost any affidavit that somebody signs. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I understood that. And so when my bill ultimately died by one vote, it was pretty disheartening. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I went out and I, I sat in my car for about 10 minutes, let myself be sad. And then, you know, you got to pick yourself back up and get back on the floor. Um, and, and the next day I was approached by honestly, a, a great, many Republicans who said, I'm so sorry that Bill died. I thought it was a fantastic bill. Let's smoke it out. Let's smoke it out on the floor. And I was, I truly, that surprised me because I did not think about smoking this bill out. My only thought was, okay, we'll take that feedback. We'll make it even stronger in 2024 and we'll bring it back. Sure. Um, and, and I believe we had the support to smoke it out, but at the request of <laughs> some individuals in leadership, they requested that we not do a smoke out um, because smoke truly they should be rare. Smoke yeah. should not be something that that's utilized lightly. Well, because um, there's why I didn't, just I didn't to trust your committees, just to trust them to be doing the right things and making right choices, exactly. listening to the depositions, um, the trial or not depositions, but the uh, t- testimony <laughs> and everything. And you're exactly right. So, and that's why I, it did not even occur to me to smoke this bill out because I I view a smoke out as something that is very. Again, rare, not something we should take lightly. Sure. Um, but um, as an alternative, leadership, you know, and, and my, my bipartisan friends across the aisle said, well, let's take the feedback we got. Let's craft a new bill with this new language, more narrowly tailoring the language, and let's bring it back as a committee bill. So it was it was introduced as a committee bill yesterday to the House Transportation Committee, and it was accepted and approved as a committee bill unanimously. So every individual on that committee voted to calendar it for next week. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it seems it like awesome. a bipartisan success story, but by no doubt at all. No, it literally is. This is exactly what a good 
government, like this is good government. Yeah, no doubt it is. Everyone can see the value in this and they say, shoot, like, how can we fix this while we still have time? Because yesterday was the last day that a committee could introduce a bill. So it was do or die. Right. And, and yeah, so it's just, it's really exciting to me. I am very hopeful that it passes out of committee, passes through the house and the Senate and this bill, it genuinely, it will help hundreds hundreds of homeless people in South Dakota over the next year. Well, even at a cost of 44,000, that's, is that the absolute max cost of every that's, single individual? The absolute maximum. If every single person that would be applicable for this took advantage of having the fee waived. So well, that's awesome. My, and when you think about yeah, it too, so, it's, it's, as those people get the ability to get jobs and other things, they will reduce the cost in the state has to pay for when it comes to their homelessness and their mental health and things like that. Right, exactly. And this, having something as simple as a state ID card, it allows you to get access to these support systems and these programs to help get you back on your feet. I think there's this very weird, but not uncommon misconception that individuals who are homeless made bad decisions that led to them getting there. And and I don't discredit that because there are some individuals that made many bad decisions in a row. But there are also a lot of individuals that became homeless because they did not have a good choice in front of them. It's not that they made a bad choice. It's that they did not really have the luxury of a good choice in front of them. And so my hope is that by removing this initial hurdle, showing these individuals that their state is willing to invest in them and help them get back on their feet, that they feel they feel this, this loyalty and, again, this confidence that as a state government, we have their back and we want them to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I encourage anybody that sees things that way about the homeless to go to the Bishop Dudley House and see those individuals, yep. how great people are there. I mean, incredible artists that were, that live there that are that need help to get back on their feet. And I, uh, When I worked yeah. at the Bishop Dudley House, I remember so clearly, I think it was within my first month or two there, there was a man who had his PhD. His <laughs> wife had gotten cancer. They... they you know, went into extreme medical debt. Mm-hmm. She died. He had to sell their house to pay the medical debt and he became homeless. This man with a PhD. Oh my. And, 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 but stories like that are not uncommon. These are individuals who were caught between a rock and a hard place. And again, had to make an impossible decision. And a lot of times it led them to becoming homeless. Well, Kay and I commend you. This is a fantastic solution to, it's an easy solution to a big problem. So great job finding that. Thank you. So what's next? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that right? That's like, oh, that's done. Well, not done no, yet, of course. I have, well, I have two more bills that I'll be bringing this year. Um, I, I don't really know where they will go, but a big part of it is just starting the conversation. So I am sure, I'm not sure if you know this actually, but I have volunteered a couple of times with Angela Schaffelman, who runs the Toastmasters group up at the penitentiary in Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I've worked with a couple of the guys there that have been sentenced to life without parole. Um, and Senator Art Rush from Vermillion, when he served in the legislature, he brought a bill, I believe, to it could have been three times. But essentially what this bill does is it allows individuals who are sentenced to life without parole before the age of 21 to apply for parole after 25 years served. It does not guarantee their parole. It just gives them the opportunity to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
the way I look at being sentenced to life without parole is it is the death sentence. You are being sentenced to die in prison. Sure. Um, and then I think about the 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds that I know in my life and just how absolutely dumb they are. <laughs> and I think to myself, you know, 19, 20, 21, your brain is still developing. You are still learning about the world around you. And sometimes you're going to make a mistake that you can't take back. But I also believe that our justice system is designed for justice. And I think if after 25 years behind bars, if you can show that you've spent those 25 years atoning for the mistakes that you made in your youth, working to, you know, become a better person, I think you should have the opportunity to apply and get a hearing before the parole board. Sure. So, so that I'm, I'm carrying on Senator Rush's legacy of advocating for those individuals. And then I'm also bringing a bill. Um, and I, I don't really anticipate, I don't know actually where this will go. It might have, it might have a little more support than I initially thought, but a bill to, um, provide free school lunches for all public school students in South Dakota. Sure. Um, I, I think with the conversation that has been had around inflation the grocery sales tax and food insecurity in our state. I think this is just the logical next step in how we take care of our youngest and, and most vulnerable community members. What's the uh, cost there? So I'm still awaiting a fiscal analysis from LRC. I anticipate it will be somewhere between 40 and 50 million. Yeah, that, that sounds like a little bit bigger uh, piece of the pie to go after, but it's, it's, it's uh, it, it, it is. $44,000 <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit more exponential. But I think you, there's there is a good argument there. I I don't have an opinion on it yet. I have to see how it rolls out. But I think there is a good sure. argument there. Yeah, and I think I think what what the main opposition that is that is said to bills like that is you know this is the parents' responsibility, and I don't discount that. But I also don't believe that children should be punished for the faults of their parents. Well, another thing is too, they're required to be at school. So they're legally required to be yeah. in South Dakota. Your your dad actually brought a bill, I think, to yep. lower the, the age to 16 where they can leave. But right now, currently, as it sits, South Dakota kids are required to be in school until they are 18. And there are so many studies out there that show what having full bellies and, you know, nutritious meals does for growing minds and bodies. And I just I think we do a disservice to South Dakota's kids, especially our impoverished kids. If they have to, you know, if they're not sure if they're going to get a school lunch every day or if they have to, you know, face the stigma of of getting a different lunch than everyone else. Right. No, I think that's I'm excited to see how that goes. Uh, we'll see what the discussion is around it. and We'll see what happens. Right. Well, Kaden, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you coming out and discussing your uh, current bill and future bills. A rising star in the Democrat Party, no doubt. I'm looking forward to see what you do next. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Jake. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing this podcast later. Oh, yeah. And I'll see you at the next Taste of Goodness committee meeting probably pretty soon. I'll see you then. All right. Have a good one, Kaden. You too. Bye, Jake. Bye. That is House Rep. Caden Whitman. District 15, right? 
Yes, that District is correct. 15. Sioux Falls. Thank you. Sioux Falls, well represented. We need some, we're going to throw some West River people on this thing. We're, we got, we're well represented east of the Missouri. We got East River covered. We got Republican covered, Democrat covered. We're covering the whole base. Who do we want to, who do you guys want to see from some West River representation? How about we get, uh, you know, who, Jeff Partridge would be good. We should get Partridge on. He can, oh, that now that he's out fun. of office, we can that, get him on. That would be a fun one. All right, let's do one. him. Also, you know, we ran out of time for this this week a little. I want to talk about this nuke bill. Yeah. No, that's a super interesting bill. I think um, all of this Julie Fry Mueller coverage kind of drowned that thing out. And and if we can next week, let's talk quite a bit about it. Really a dark horse bill, I think, this session is is that one. It's going to be super interesting. Um, I talked to Chris Nelson back during the state convention uh, this summer, and him and I talked about uh, nuclear energy, um, how if it had a place in South Dakota, because we are very much a uh, renewable energy state right now. More, way more than people, I think, realize, oh, too. It's like 80%, I want to say. That could be wrong, but I think it's about 80%. Okay, so we're going to do energy. I'm sure we'll have some tax updates, and uh, I guess that does it. I want to thank uh, Billy Sutton and Caden Whitman for coming on. Um, and, and, and we're week four in. This is uh, Home Slice, the Home Audio's fastest-growing podcast. So I want to thank Noah and Jake once again. You guys are doing a lot of the heavy lifting and you know, I just have to sit here and push buttons mostly and make a couple of yokes. You guys have to you have to do all you have to know all the bills and know all the committees. So I appreciate that. Well, we're glad to be here. It's been a real fun time so far. and I think it'll keep being a great time. Well, for Noah Grebel, and we're going to say that right forever now. And Jake Schoenbeck, my name is Murdoch. This is Dakota Town Hall. Uh, please give us a like or a rating or a view or a share or a tell your friend. This is uh, this thing's got hits and 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 it's taken off. You can also uh, you can also find us on Twitter now, right, Jake? Yes, sir. At Dakota Town Hall, find the uh, podcast. Twitter. You also find me at Jake Schoenbeck. Noah at not Noah Grable, which I don't know why you went with that, but it's at not Noah Grable. And at Murdoch, at at Murdoch, that's M-U-R-D-O-C-J on Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is Dakota Town Hall. Okay, hold on, hold on. I got us recording again. We had we we just ended. We're back. We're not. <laughs> we're back already. We're back. Uh, which which one of you guys wants to go? You guys go for it. Uh, I'm going. News. Uh, breaking, news. breaking news. Actually, we just found this out, and we. We decided to add it in. Um, according to Pat Powers from the Dakota War College, there's a lot of, cha- a lot of chatter in politics about what's going to happen in the next election or beyond. But wait, there has been another rumor going around the Capitol. Governor Christie Nome will be termed out. Mike Brown's U.S. Senate seat will be up. And we don't know if he's going to run again. But in 2026 might be the year that the odds that Congressman Dusty Johnson might take a leap to become the next governor. But according to Pat, there's something else. There's a rumor out there that says but there's a possibility that current U.S. Senator Mike Rounds might be looking back to be a modern-day Bill Janklo and coming back to run again for governor in 2026 I, I, when Governor Nome is turned out. Okay, I, that's interesting. That's huge. I, turn of the Mac. I'd start. Turn of the Mac. <laughs> I'd start here. Jake called this last week over a cocktail to my face. I said. Think about it. The guy's been at the U.S. Senate, and there's going to be an opening there. The guy has not done a whole lot in the U.S. Senate, to be completely honest. No offense, but he's not been some big mover and shaker. Yeah. And he loves South Dakota. He really does. His family's here. He loves Pierre. Kind of makes sense for him to come back. 
That makes I don't know it, if he's going to be entirely welcomed into the whole crew. Well, that's right that, now. that's what I'm saying. You start to look at the seats and the butts that are trying to get there. I mean, let's rattle it off. You've got uh, Dusty wants a seat. Jack Lee's far from done. Um, uh, now we're going to add uh, Senator Rounds to the mix. Paul Haken's name gets thrown out quite a bit. Uh, Casey, Crabtree. Casey Crabtree. I've even heard, you know, I've heard Lee Schoenbeck. I've heard Taylor Ray. Nope, I've heard, nope. I've if, heard, you know, you hear a lot of names here, but there ain't that many seats, everybody. Sorry, I do to speak up for my mom quick. If my dad runs, I'm going to have separate Christmases. <laughs> yeah, all he's getting is a divorce if he runs for governor. All right. I, I can't have that. So, uh, okay, so let's, let's put it on the record. You guys, we got, what do we got, 21 months until you have to kind of really do anything about it? Do you guys think this is a real rumor or is this rumor? Are we saying, are we guessing who the next governor is going to be? No. No, let's guess if you, let's put it on record of if you think he's going to run for governor. Here's what I think. I think. He's floating the idea and wants to see the reaction that people take. Um, he wants to hear what people around the space are thinking. Um, Pat's a smart guy. He's known this for a while. Pat's not wrong a lot either. He's floating this rumor because Rounds wants to know what people think. That's what I think. And because Powers doesn't post all rumors he hears. So that's, that's all fair. I'll say. Noah? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, I think there's, I do agree. I think he's thinking about it. I do. I agree with Jake, but just kind of looking at the landscape that we have right now, I think it's going to be someone else. I think that he might run, but I, or he's consider, I'll say, I think he's considering it, but I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see it either. I think, let me be, let me do you really want to run against I Dusty Johnson? I mean, do you really want to no, run against Dusty? That's not Dusty? what's going to happen. Let me, let me paint the picture. So Rounds announces early he's dropping out from the U.S. Senate and going for governor. Dusty sees that. Dusty's smart. He's going to run for U.S. Senate. He's going to wait his time. He can. He's he's a pretty young guy. He can wait six years. Or, sorry, four years, whatever it takes. Six years in the Senate. He can wait his time. Casey or Marty runs for the rep or Tenekin runs for rep. That's the picture I'm painting here. And that's where it makes sense for Rounds in the mix. Not saying he should, but there's your picture. You want a you want a crazier one than that? Let's hear it. So Gnome goes. Can't say leave for governor again. No, I won't. It's not leave for we're governor. We're not increasing Lee's statistics. That would be my favorite. Usually, always, but okay. So like Chris Christine Gnome becomes a vice presidential candidate and has to do it for real. Mister Larry Roden becomes everybody's rancher governor, and in and in a contest that he surely probably wouldn't win if he had to get elected, but give him a year on the job, all of a sudden maybe. He's Gnome's hand-picked successor, and now all of a sudden, this is even more interesting. Hmm. Mm. I I like Larry a lot. Big Larry fan. Um, we saw him overstep him a little bit last time with the JFM stuff, where he got shot down by 27 votes in the Senate. I don't think he you has what it takes to beat out. Okay. I just don't see it. I mean, I don't think he can beat Dusty. He can't beat Rounds. He can't. Look at all of the oh, wild speculation. We, this will be all summer long. We'll be talking about this. Oh, yeah. We got plenty of time for this. I mean, we got sessions ending in, you know, mid-March. We got to fill the, for the show somehow. So I well, guarantee we'll see more of this. Okay. Breaking news on Dakota Town Hall. Uh, Senator Rounds may be looking to be Governor Rounds. And you can hear our interview with Pat Powers last week. He's a fantastic person to listen to and talk to and read his stuff on Dakota War College celebrating 18 years. 
Noah, why don't you take us out? Okay, we're gone for All real. Right. Well, I think that's enough speculation for one day. I think let's go ahead and close this up. You have been listening to Dakota Town Hall, Home Slice Media's fastest growing weekly political podcast and the number one political podcast in South Dakota. For myself, Noah Grebel, Jake Schoenbeck, and at Murdoch, Murdoch on Twitter. Sorry, at Murdoch J. Yeah, please forget the J. For that, this is Dakota Town Hall. Next week on Dakota Town Hall. I want to get to this nuke stuff. I think we should get an expert in here and talk about it a little bit. Kind of get the ins and outs of this bill and uh, find out what's going on with nuclear energy in South Dakota. We are going to hear from some of the up-and-comers in the legislature. But, you know, they're pretty established. But these are some great legislators we're going to hear from. We have Senator Sidney Davis from the Vermilion area. We have Senator Aaron Tobin from District 21. I don't know exactly what area that is. I'm sure I'm going to get corrected. Yeah, that's the winter area. Winter, South Dakota. And we are going to have, um, personally, one of my one of my favorite House of Representatives members, um, Representative Taylor Rayfelt from District 14 in Sioux Falls. So it's, they're, they're a pretty fun bunch. Be sure to tune in next week and hear what they got to think about, what they got to think about what's going on up there. I don't think we're done hearing the last of what Julie Prime Mueller's husband was doing in the room. Dakota Town Hall, South Dakota's weekly podcast. Episodes available every Friday. For more information or to request availability, please go to dakotatownhall.com. Dakota Town Hall is presented in partnership with Home Slice Audio, produced by Leslie Klein. Music and audio production by Oakley Ty. Research by Home Slice Audio and Dakota Town Hall. Graphics by Timmy Grablander. Social media content by Scout Wheeler. And website design by Trey Wynn. Editorial advisor and executive producer, Brad Murdoch Jurgensen. Special thanks to all of our weekly guests. While we try to be accurate with all of our information, this show is recorded live and errors may happen. For corrections, please visit dakotatownhall.com. Hosted by Noah Grebel, Jake Schoenbeck, and Brad Murdoch-Jurgensen. Dakota Town Hall, another Home Slice Audio production.